This week's episode is brought to you by Dimension Police. With Dimension Police in standard format, you can randomly drop a hammer, for lack of a better term, on the opponent, even if you drive check into it. In premium, oh god, you don't want to know what they do in premium. Dimension Police. Yeah, that's an 80k resanded mantra. Welcome to Nexus at Night, the only podcast that comes with the sign of coleslaw. I'm Atlas. And I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. And I'm Different Fights. Welcome back, buddy. We haven't seen you since the, what was it, the How to Run a Vanguard YouTube channel, I think? Oh, God, that was years ago. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. quite a long time. You better time. run that long? Oh, that, was, that was two years ago, I think, right? I think so. Maybe more, yeah. Yeah, because the pretty wild. We've had over a hundred and four episodes, so that's two. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. And, I noticed. And uh, yeah, so uh, we're having you here today because you recently participated in the uh, London Regional, and you. Yep. What did you bring? Uh, well, for day one, I brought your standard durable list, but with uh, seven draws. So there's that. I've changed it since then to something quite spicy, but I'm keeping quiet about it because I have German uh, regionals next week. Ah, smart. All right. And then for day two, uh, that was my only premium tournament this year because Europe only gets two premium things, and one of them is clashing with another regional that I want to go to because it has buddy fight. Um, And so because this was my only premium, I kind of YOLO'd it. I took a list that I essentially like played 10 games with, and then I, as I was playing, I was realizing things I should have changed about the list. So now it's been kind of like revisited and reviewed, and it's better, I guess. Okay. But yeah, on the day itself, like it, I, I started off okay. I was 2-0 after beating Messiahs and Anjay, so I was like, well, that's an unexpected start. But then I faced Spikes and Ichitom, and then it started going downhill. <laughs> so yeah. Gotcha. So, spikes especially. Yeah. Spikes especially? Yeah. It's just, it's such a hard matchup, I feel. I, I think it's funny that uh, the first instance of an episode like this was about Spikes and had living nice. proof in it. And I think it's only fitting that we bring you in for Dimension Police, because that's what a lot of people associate you with if they have to put a mm-hmm. into a face. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so, the first question that usually, that why would I say usually? This is only the second time that uh, I we asked last time. Was mm-hmm. uh, what options do Dimension Police have in premium as of right now? Yep, quite a lot. Well, in terms of, are we talking options, options, or good competitively like somewhat viable options? I'll go with the latter. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have your. I'll. I can put the robos in two categories. You have like the very like basic, clean Dayusha list, where you're running kind of similar to the standard deck, except you kind of shift around the grade 2s a little bit, because you either want to play Dybalist or Grand Hogan for extra draw power. I forgot what and that then you, uh, Dybalist is when your Vanguard attacks, you kind of must want to draw, and Grand mm-hmm. Hogan is when you have a Gallop Vanguard, and it's 40k power, then you basically kind of must want to draw and gain plus 4k, and if you're 40k power more, then you counter charge 1, so basically refunds itself. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, you play that because your main stride is Excallop, so you can usually pull it off quite easily. Um, and then some people will debate about the starter choice. Uh, statistically, the, the new style of starters is better, because old Goyusha, while it's 
you know, potentially good in a best of one format because, well, you can be on a stride while your opponent's at grade two. Um, it's you're only going first ever so often, and even then, you need to build your deck around your starter, which means they have to put in some subpar cards, or you have to play, or you you can't play some cards that you want to, like like you might even take out the new triggers because some of them aren't D robos. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's you're risking too much in order to be able to do it consistently. Um, so I, I prefer the new starter myself uh, for that reason, because then you have a bit more, you know, you just have your free options in the deck build. So you have either the clean Dayusha build, where you're running, you know, just kind of similar to the standard list, or you can start memeing around with Dykeiser a little bit, because they released a ruling where if you ride Daikai, true Great Dykeiser, you obviously can't do Great Dykeiser skill in the same turn. But if you legion, if you rode the turn before and you legion the turn after, so for example, you ride Daikaiser, you stride into something, whatever, next turn you legion, and then you search out the Great Dayusha, you know, you legion, but then you can still do the new Great Dayusha, because apparently it's ruled that legioning doesn't count, or at least that's what, like, Bushoda of Japan ruled it as, and that's what we're going by. <laughs> so that made the legion a bit better, essentially. Um, so some people are running around with that. And I've seen quite a few lists, and then they either play Dai Bazooka, they tend to play Dai Kaiser Leon. So it's, you know, that kind of like more in the Dai Kaiser region. But every deck still plays the new Daishas because they're really good. You need the force markers, they help a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's one list that I was kind of thinking about of just like running, it's like going into Daisha at first, and then going into the Dai Kaiser once you already have a force marker, like the Break Ride Dai Kaiser, and then Break Riding mid battle phase kind of thing was an idea I had, but I didn't really test that, so it was just a thought. So that's in the D-Robo side of things. Um, and then for Cosmic Heroes, Gallop is, like, really good. I think it's the more consistent choice. Some people play pure Gallop in the temp- terms of, like, four Bravest Victor, two Bravest Rush, and then, like, two Silbards or something. Um, but what some people do, and something I prefer myself, is four of the Victorious Gallop, and then four of the regular Dayusha, because then you essentially have a more or less 40k stride every turn, and you can, like, because in the end with the Gallop, it's 40k for a Soul Blast, but with Dayusha, it's you ride, you get a Force, you stride, you're at 38 because of the Force, use Die Dragon or Die Brave to put it up by 5k, you're at 43, and there you go, there's your Magic Stride number for your Cosmic Hero Strides. So I think with that in mind, like, it's also a good build in that sense. I hear that there's a combo with uh, Bravest Peak X Gallop where you can get the restand off on first stride by doing uh, the new Commander Laurel. Yes, exactly. And um, I didn't win games with that strategy, but what I did win games with, and is slightly even more scary, is Stark Laurel, which is essentially three attacks with, with like a 100k plus with a crit. Oh my god. <laughs> So those were my first two rounds of Swiss were legit that. So it was just just Stark Laurel. So and it's really hard. Like even against Anjay, who has G guards that you know can reach up to 80k, you know even with that in mind, um, my opponents still struggle to guard against it. So you know the the strategy is definitely valid, but you still have to like it requires a lot of setup. You know you have to have the Laurel, and this is why I also suggest um, to run four of the new Laurel and just disregard the old one completely. Because because of Protect's popularity and increasing popularity over time, especially, I think the old Laurel is just dead. Like, 
he's never hitting. Like, he was good during the time when perfect guards could only guard the vanguard. Right now, when anything can guard anything, it's just not worth to play him anymore. It's never going to hit. You're better off just resting four for the crit, and that's it. So I think, you know, some people were debating about that, but I think in the end... Like, I played the one old Laurel during BCS London because I thought, oh, maybe, you know, it's worth for something. I'm still running, like, Die Earth and stuff. But then, every time I drew the old Laurel, I wished it was a new Laurel. Like, every single time. So, And I think that actually cost me some games, too, so... Yeah, don't make mistakes. What did your record end up being? Uh, X3, and then I dropped round... Like, I was... I was first, 2-0. Then I lost the spikes. Then... Uh, what was my next opponent? Uh, then I played the mirror match and won that. And then I lost to Grand... No. No, no. Then I played against Ichitom as my last one. And then it was like double Ichitom back-to-back. Oh, okay. And then... Yeah, for the two Ichitoms, I just dropped because I had barely any time to record throughout the weekend, like just record the actual event. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I was like, I need to record something. I'm not making Top Cut anyway. I'm just going to drop and record. So then Mm -hmm. I ended up being 3-3 in the end. So it wasn't anything good. It was off to a good start. It was better than anything I anticipated because I really walked into premium with no expectations. But, you know, I'm happy with what, what I got. So there's that, I guess. What do you think of the whole Tom Water and OTT Gize situation and how it affects premium? Um, Ichitom is fine. Ichitom is, while it has a win con that's basically, you know, unstoppable, quote-unquote, it takes a lot of time to set up. Like, people were crying and crying and crying about it online, but playing against the actual thing, and like, I played tested against the two, and I realized pretty fast that this deck requires so much setting up and a good Ichitom player will know what to do once they're out of Ichikishimas. So that's the one thing that I think, like, the third place London was uh, uh, Mohamed Abumalula, and he's known for playing Susano and, like, the Tankman engine and stuff like that in OTT, and he took that with Ichitom as well. And, you know, you could really see that he had so many plays that he could make without relying on the Ichikishima too much until he had the perfect setup for, like, double Tom Ichikishima kind of play. So it's it's a deck that I think requires a lot of setup. You need to know how to manage your resources well and how to just manage the game state well. So I think as a deck, sure, it has an unfair win con, you can say, but it takes a lot of time to set up and you need to know what you're doing all the way up to that win con and sometimes even after in case it doesn't go that well because it's still like a lot to set up. And yeah, like I just think that... Ishitom is fine, but Giza needs to go. Giza, I think, is... <laughs> it's it's like... People can play against it. It's not that it's like... Um, it's not that people are crying so much that it's like... I mean, it's un- unfair, but not in the sense that, like, you know... It's hard to explain, but basically, it's a game that takes away from the essence of Vanguard. It's, it's a deck that takes away from the essence of Vanguard, and I think that's what the problem is, is that it creates a meta where decks that can function on one or zero counterblast are really good, and everything else just kind of suffers. So it's like, Lord is good, Spikes are good, you know, these kind of things. OTT is pretty good. So it rewards decks that can function on low counterblast, but it also, it just... I think Solemn put it really well in the sense of it's a deck where your opponent is playing chess, but you as the Giza player are, you know, just twiddling your thumbs and you're just turning cards sideways, you know? So I think, 
Giza is just like it's it's not healthy. I think so. If, I'm hoping that come February it's gonna go. Um, no matter what the rendition of it is, whether it's you know no seal or whatever people come up with or OTT or angels in the future, I think Giza is just not healthy for premium. Um, but outside of that, everything else is more or less okay. Yeah, the words that I typically see in most card games to associate that is like format warping or oppressive. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's what's not unbeatable isn't like being beatable isn't the problem it's exactly, exactly. like its existence just causes issue exactly so it's like it's not so much that you can't beat it you can definitely beat it but it's like the things you have to do to beat it and like the way it hinders deck choice for for uh tournaments is also a problem i think mm-hmm. well yeah it, it's predatory it's like uh chaos around like gbt 13 where if you didn't What's have an answer to it what that was only for like a month, though. Yeah, but that's the that's the most recent example I can think of. So yeah, it's just like to the most extreme scale. I think that's the problem. Mm. It seems like the first truly defensive deck in Vanguard. Mm. Where it, oh yeah. You don't have to like you said. You're twiddling your thumbs. You get on gaze and you just sit there and wait. Yeah. Wait I your think I would be more okay with the deck if like your opponent had to make like a lot more difficult decisions. But there are not actually that many decisions in Vanguard. So yeah, I mean, it's like it depends on the deck. Like obviously, when no, I mean like spikes or something. There's like a billion, you know, decision trees. Yo, know, I mean like a player, like specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah not doing sure, a whole sure. lot early on. There's kind of like, no, like I know how to hard stacking my triggers. Yep, I think these is a problem. But what's interesting is that um, currently biggest premium event in Japan concluded today. Actually, it was live stream, and which is. Nice because normally Japan, when they live stream their events, they only live stream like top four and finals. Um, but here they stream like every single round, I think. So that was quite nice. And it was best of three, which is also something Japan doesn't usually do. And it was premium. Um, and the finals ended up being Blasters. This is post the mini booster, by the way. So it was Blasters versus Luard, and Luard won the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Luard, there was several Luards in the top eight, I think. So. I think it, it goes to show that Lourdes is a deck that can function on basically no counter blast. Uh, you know, with the support from AL4, it's got the new triggers, it's got mm-hmm. even more ways to, to fill up their, um, their rituals and everything. So, but yeah, so I think, like I said, the Giza meta just rewards decks that can function on zero or one counter blast, and Lourdes is like, easily one of the best picks right now as well. I'm guessing Dimension Police is not one of those decks. DP, it's like. You usually need two counterblasts, that's the problem. So, with the options that Dimension Police has, do you think they're a contender for the meta as is, or is it just kind of a meme like you said? Mm, as is, I think the Gallop variant does, because Gallop actually can function on one counterblast, because you have a lot of stuff that refunds itself, mm-hmm. and then a lot of the stuff that you pay costs for is either free or soul-oriented, so, you know, like Gallop itself. So I think get the Gallop variant, I think it, it topped in... I think it was the week before London, so the week before last. Um, it topped somewhere in America, it was top 8. So Gallop actually did well. Oh, that's good. And then it it topped here and there in Japan as well for premium. Um, but they haven't had, like, outside of this weekend, they haven't had that many large-scale events for premium yet. So mm-hmm. it's most of, like, shop tournaments. So it's kicking. It can do stuff, but it also depends on the matchup, because, I mean, like... For example, my day in London, I didn't face a single Gize. 
But then, really? you know, I think there weren't, there weren't, no, it didn't, but there weren't that many to begin with. It's just that basically all the Giza players that were there were on the top tables and, you know, they made it to top eight. So that kind of, you know, goes to show that, like, you don't need a lot of Gizas in the tournament to make it, you know, you can still pick a deck that doesn't necessarily do well against Gize, but then you need to be prepared that if you do face it, you're probably not going to be doing well, but you might have a good matchup against everything else. You know, I think it's, it's kind of the same in standard now, where, like, people are building their decks to counter OTT, but then, like, for example, my DP builds are often really good against Protect matchups, but again, against Axel, like, I need to guard really aggressively early to stay at, like, one damage, or I'm going to die against, like, Aqua Force or something. Like, I just came back from Locals, and I, the only reason... My only loss was to Aqua Force, because in, we, in the best of three, I was hitting no damage triggers, and I couldn't... Pause, like, I, I didn't even have the guard to keep myself at one or two damage. So I think it's the kind of thing where, like, you can build against one deck, but at the end of the day, like, it depends on your matchups whether it's going to work out or not, so... Mm-hmm. There's that. So, so you can kind of like skew the rock paper scissors thing, where if you overfocus on something on one matchup, you lose advantage against the other. Yeah, that... for sure, for sure. Yeah, like uh, that can uh, definitely happen easily. This is a common problem when people like develop quote their decks to be something quote anti-meta end quote, where they're basically mm-hmm. singling out one like meta deck and being like, well, I'm only going to beat this deck, and everyone's playing it, so I'm going to win. And, and then, then don't face it then, at all. Yeah, and then they just play it against it once, win, and lose every other matchup. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. This is a very common thing in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I got back into Yu-Gi-Oh too, so I know what you mean. Siding against Goki feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not touching Yu-Gi-Oh with a 10-foot pole. It's uh... it's pretty fun right now. It's it's in a really nice format right now. That's good. What do you I like the pose, the pose bandless format. You didn't see the nonsense in a uh, Dragon Roller format where people were playing barrier statues? Oh, no. <laughs> that was after my time, but I remember like taking a look in and being like, nope, not happening. Yeah, I was, I was peeking. Like, I, I always had, like... Because with the Vanguard player base, we have some Yu-Gi-Oh! players, and like I always was keeping up to date with what's happening. But it's only now that I'm actually into it properly because it's quite fun. Um, Wizards keep pissing everybody off because they keep uh, signing deals with corporations like Amazon. Really? Wizards? Wizards of the Coast. Oh, wow. What Where is... they can start selling boxes, like, real cheap. Oh. So. oh yeah. Why does that piss mm-hmm. everybody off? Is it for... Well, who do, you know, who, are two, who do people normally buy boxes from? Stores? Mm. Each other. Each other? Do they? Mm. But guess what, uh, guess what, if, you, if they can get them cheap on Amazon, guess what they're not going to buy them from? Other players. Or stores. Stores, yeah. yeah. Stores, 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 I get, but I've never heard of someone being like, "Hey, I have this box that I bought from the store. I'll sell it to you for more." Oh no, this happens all the time. You win a box in an event, you're like, "Anybody want this?" Oh, oh yeah. I guess in that case, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It usually happens like at the event that they get sold. Like, I won a box of World Wake and immediately sold it, like right there. Like, I was in the finals, not even I hadn't even received it yet. I was like, "I'll pay this for it." I was like, "Sure." Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I've heard a lot of Magic players complaining about Magic right now. Like, we had the pre-release this this whole weekend, and a bunch of people didn't seem very happy. I mean, I was fine. I think I lost one match in, in three pre-releases. Oh, wow. But uh, it was kind of sometimes not fun, but that is kind of out of the scope. <laughs> right, right, right. Matt, have you, have you tested... Premium Dimension Police so, much? I nope. tested Premium Dimension Police right when the set uh, right when the set got fully spoiled. 
Mm -hmm. I don't really like testing things before the set's foil spo foil fo fully spoiled because why would I do that? Yeah. And I don't think we saw Laurel until like real late anyway. Like the last day or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it like there's a new Laurel and it's like refused to show us. I was like, okay, yeah. that's going to be. So yeah. I ended up, I, I, I also realized that the old Laurel kind of wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, so I was just playing a bunch of the new Laurel and doing Excalibur shenanigans. But I think I was on the more, uh, I was, oh, I was playing a real meme deck. So I wasn't on either the D Robo plan or anything. I was playing Platinum Ace. Oh, oh, but that's, right. that's not that... bad either. It's because like... what Platinum yeah. Ace didn't have before was a bunch of grade 2s that can buff your Vanguard by 5k. Pre yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you have a ton of those. I generally considered it too, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty ridiculous, actually. It's pretty fun. And then you just go into the... Uh, you just go into Bravest Peak, like, like everybody else. And then, of course, yeah, you start, etc. Yeah, exactly. I keep, I keep like, confusing Platinum Ace with Diamond Ace. Diamond Ace is the PG, Platinum Ace is the grade 2, or if it's 13. That gains a crit, yeah. That gains a crit, mm -hmm. yes. My, my brain keeps crossing them, I'm sorry. And I was really low on the Great Daisha. I liked the old Daisha a lot in the deck, but I didn't like the Great Daisha a lot in the deck. So, I don't, I don't know what would happen if I kept testing, but... Mm. Yeah, for me, like I, I considered the, the Ace as well. Because it just, it seemed like such a fun cheese strat, but then I didn't go for it. I think in, in Gallop I probably would, but it feels like, one one thing I like about premium DP is that you actually have a pretty good uh, Ichisan matchup just because of um, Miracle Dandy, because he's a 15k shield from hand as a grade 2. And, you know, so that's basically a trigger worth of guarding that normally Ichikishima blocks, but then mm -hmm. you can still guard against her. So I actually like that a lot. And then when I was playing against Ichitom, like it was coming close just because I had him. So like after that, I just put him up to because I was playing him at twos and now I put him up to three. So I quite like him just for the kind of medical side of him right now. Yeah. So if I sorry, go ahead. So my experience by the end, I think, was that the platinum A strat didn't work very well, but the gallop mm -hmm. strat was very good. Yeah, gallop was definitely really good right now. <laughs> I feel like if I would have taken that, maybe I would have done better. But I was just kind of like, I hadn't tested anyway because it was essentially the case of like, the set dropped. I was busy making content for standard, and then me and my friends were like, oh, we should probably play test some premiums. So like, okay, let's play. We played like ten games, got a feel for it. And we're like, okay, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I left for the U.S. for three weeks, and then I came back, and then I had class literally right after that for a week, and then was London. So. It was really no time to test right before, so I feel it was just my own own unpreparedness. Where in the uh, where in the U.S. did you go? Uh, mostly San Jose, uh, San Francisco, Santa Barbara, and then uh, obviously around like San Jose, like Cupertino and Santa Clara. So oh, okay. like, like in that area. I was going to say if you went a little more south, we could have hung out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, we went to Santa Barbara for a day too, so it was like pretty hectic. No, so, yeah. I'm in LA, so. Right, right, yeah. Um, I'm nowhere near any of these places. That's true. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's like the opposite side. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know some <laughs> US geography. <laughs> My favorite thing is talking to Europeans who are like, I want to go here, and you're like, that's the other side of the country. And they're like, right? And? And you're like, no, like, it's. it's Taking a train from one side of the country to the other is possible. And you're it's multiple days. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Like, yeah, in Europe, it's like you can just take the flight to anywhere in a couple hours. Lucky. Um, yeah. So, in terms of the meta, do you think uh, if they axe Eze in the ban list uh, that it, like DP's situation will improve? I think so, because then it lets it gives a bit of leeway to have like more greedy plays, which is what DP likes a lot. Like it's it lets you just go into a in, go into the tournament with a better build, I feel, and not have to always like think about every little decision as much, you know, and how it's gonna impact like your turn five turns from now on, mm-hmm. as you would with Kizia. Whereas, like, it's going to give a bit more freedom. So I think whereas now it's, like, Gallop can do it and nothing else really can, I think if Giza left, then possibly D-Robos themselves would be able to do some stuff as well. Because the problem with D-Robos is that it just basically always needs to counterblast for a lot of big plays. And then otherwise you're just doing subpar versions of your plays and it just kind of sucks. So I think that's the, that's the that would be, like, enough just being able to play with one more counterblast, basically. (laughs) That's really sad that, like, the possibilities could be endless just with one more counterblast. Yeah, it is. It is pretty sad. Not asking for a lot, but a lot in the face of Gizeh. I just want one more counterblast, man. Is that too much to ask? No? Okay. Yeah. So when I first saw the support for Dimension Police, I was kind of like not sure how much effect it would have on premium. Because, again, we hadn't seen New Laurel, right? Yeah, so, that, that like, was like whoosh. Oh, I was like, I guess it's fine because, you know, the triggers are still really important. Like having a force gift is like better than most of the Laurel's grade threes. Yeah. Or Gallup grade three, sorry. And then finally they show Laurel and everyone, the whole the whole world has opened up. Yeah, exactly. It that was basically the same for me too. At first, I was like, "Oh, well, this is kind of nice and this is kind of good," but it was like not really seeing it and how it interacts. I was like, "Well, this is a nice dimension police. I mean, dimensional robo name thing I can put in my Dynexus." <laughs> but outside of that, I was like, "Eh." So, when the laurels first spoiled, so like the moment you read the card, what did you think? At first, I remember, like, in Standard, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't that important. I was like, we have so many other good grade ones. In, in Premium, I instantly was like, oh, yeah, right, Excalibur exists. So, like, that was <laughs> that. Because that. it was always, like, this anguish of, like, oh, I can't do, like, first, right, Excalibur restand. Um, so, like, I was just glad I made that possible. But I remember, like, for Standard, it was, like, with Laurel, it was a card that I it grew in appreciation over time. So it's like mm-hmm. it took me like a week of playtesting to realize, damn, this card is amazing. I think you it's necessary in the deck. Yeah, uh, it's definitely necessary. If you don't ride o- original Dayusha, it's super easy to get stuck on great without... Uh, yeah, oh. for sure. It's just such a good safety net. And even mm-hmm. then, it, the thing I like doing in standard is like if my opponents are like low damage or like let's say two damage and they're both face down, just like going for like original Dayusha... With the Laurel, is like you either take this three crit attack or you like drop a PG and like if I have Dire Manor, then something else on top of that, and that's all you can do for the turn. You know, you just swing at them with three crit. They have to drop a bunch of cards from their hand. If they're out of PGs, it's gonna be devastating. Mm-hmm. So, and then eventually they have to let it through, and then you're like, oh hi, Great Dayusha. <laughs> oh yeah. The best thing is that I used to play um, before this this weekend. I was playing seven draw five crit, and then 
my friend got used to the fact that after I rewrite into the Great Dayusha, usually he can take my Great Dayusha because he knows that I'm not going to check a crit or like it's like less likely. Mm-hmm. But I adjusted my trigger ratios for the locals today, and then he was like still taking my Great Dayusha, and like every single time I checked one crit, so I was like, <laughs> shouldn't assume. Yeah, that's actually uh, especially good at locals is because like people get if people get used to you or you yeah. Just- just change yeah. it up a little bit, and then they'll be like, wait, what's this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was basically what locals felt like me for this week. But yeah. <laughs> How have your local communities been doing, actually, since the reboot? I don't know. I haven't gone. All right. So I don't have much of the locals out here, so I can pretty much only play in Cardfight area, which is less than uh, ideal. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I really just and it, it really disappointed me when Vanguard Zero was not the game, not Vanguard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so excited for it. For me, it's it's like sure, it's not the game, and you know I understand people's disappointment in that, but it still looks fun in its own right, and like I'm just glad that I'll have more ways to enjoy Vanguard and like share it. That's the most cool. important thing for me. The fact that this is going to like pop up in people's recommended on like the App Store. They might have never heard of Vanguard before, but they're going to see it. They're going to maybe install it and try it out. And then they might look into it, like watch the anime and then realize it's a real card game. And then maybe pop by their local game store. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that I like about it the most is that it's going to have some extra reach. And it's really easy to understand, I think. So it won't be so... It won't be as hard as explaining Vanguard is to new people because, like, I've been teaching it so much over the summer, and there was just like, it's like I'm always explaining. It's like, okay, this little number means this, this little symbol means this, 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 this. <laughs> this. And I'm like, okay, let's try it in the game. And I can see my the person I'm teaching is always a little bit like overwhelmed. And then when we play it, they're like, okay, this wasn't so bad, you know. But I wish there wasn't that reaction of like, this wasn't so bad. It's like when you teach somebody the Pokemon DCG, it's like super easy, you yeah. know. So it's like. Yeah, I kind of wish it wasn't like that, but I'm glad that because Zero is kind of, like, easier in the sense of rules, um, it should be easier to, like, teach. And I'm sure that there's going to be a good tutorial at the start of the game, too. So I'm just hoping that it spreads Vanguard better, and you know, over time. And hopefully that there's a lot of ads in the Western side of things as well. Because, so, like, Duel Links gets a lot of ads on, on, like, YouTube and stuff. So I hope that Vanguard Zero gets them, too. Yeah, I think I was just disappointed because I was I was really hoping for kind of an online platform to play Vanguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actual card fight online. That wasn't mm. terrible. Yeah, card fight area is like not even a real thing. Like, it's just, it's it's so abysmal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's just I just use tabletop these days. Tabletop is really fun to me. Watching your videos where where it's uh, with tabletop is very very clean looking. Yeah, it looks clean, and I like it. I just like how, like, it looks enough like an actual, like you're playing actual card games. That I don't know, it's just attractive to me. So that makes sense. And it's good for videos. Card card fight area looks like uh, just Lego. Yeah, like Lego in like a '90s magazine that moves. Yeah, exactly. Tabletop simulator. There's it's you know kind of reminds me of uh, like from the mid 2000s when Udio had like either. DS or PSP or uh, yeah, games yeah. where it would like show each card moving and yeah, yeah. had more like a top down type of thing instead of it being just flat. Yeah, exactly. 
So, were there any other? I think that was it. I asked about if he's disappeared. Would it be better? Rootbeard, did you have any questions? Nope. Okay. <laughs> there are some episodes where he just doesn't talk. It's just how it is. Yeah. Like, I haven't been playing this game as much recently, so I don't have as much to talk about anymore. What are you playing mostly? Hmm? What are you playing most of the time? I'm just doing video games at home now. Like, my locals is really far away, so I'd rather just potato on Sundays, because I have work on Saturdays now. Ah, uh, damn. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, Still playing a bunch of Siege? Mm, not as much. Um, let's see. Is there anything you're looking forward to in premium with uh, upcoming sets? Um, Azel's gonna be ridiculous. Yes, they look quite nice. <laughs> Wait, just, just the fact that the name is Angel the Feather. name that it is. Angel Feather, it's like I'm excited about, but slightly worried because of Giza. I think that's pretty understandable. Um, Neo Nectar isn't gonna mix well. That's one so. thing. I think it's gonna be the the same problem like what with Tachikaze had, where it both yeah. kind of fight with each other for supremacy. Exactly. exactly. So I think like premium Neo Nectar is going to be either Asha with like new triggers or it's going to be standard Neo Nectar with the G-Zone. Yeah. <laughs> There's only two so ways to go that, about it. I think it's more likely going to be the Asha variant because Asha's insane with what she was doing. She was just getting countered by the things like Shiranui and stuff and I guess Giza by an extent now. So, yeah, like, God, like, I, I miss Sacha. It's been a long time. I, I did something similar with Tachikaze where instead of doing Gaia with new triggers, I did uh, Death Rex for Excel Circles and just the Rex support and Giza. Oh, yeah. It, it's jank as fuck, but it's really fun. Yeah, that's good. As long as it's fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Get your X is a lot worse in premium. What? Get your X is a lot worse in premium. Yes. Yeah. One thing I'm looking forward to is Narukami, actually, because I picked up a Vanquisher. Like, when the reboot got announced and everybody was selling their G-Decks for, like, 50, yeah. I picked up a Vanquisher deck, because I always liked it, but I was like, ah, I don't really want to pay more than 100. Makes sense. So <laughs> I picked up Vanquisher, and I was having a lot of fun with it, just in G format. And then the fact that Narukami's Axel is... Like, I expected it, because a lot of Vanquisher support is, like, do this, do that, buff your front row. Or, like, do this, do that, you're, like, three units in front row get plus something. So it was always, like, very front row centered. So it was like, hmm, are they doing that for a reason? And so the fact that they're Axel, you know, makes it pretty nice that, like, Vanquisher can interact with, like, the Axel circles and stuff like that. So I think it's quite cool. I'm just glad that they're making more of an effort to differentiate clans from each other. Yeah, I hope they can keep that up as well with... Well, I think with Arkham, it's just going to be binding. They need to keep that. It was a good mechanic. Ooh. Don't don't tell that to certain people. They might punch you. Oof. Yeah, the the, the, the people who are like, man, the, the Thunderstrike thing was stupid. They should have gone back to whatever brawler or whatever stupid thing that oh, was. Oh, yeah. And right, right, right. I think if they if they leaned harder into it, it would have been better. But they were kind of wishy-washy mm. at the beginning. No, Vanquisher, it got good with the last wave of support. And mm-hmm. like during the GBT-11 meta... 
it was really good. It was like a good pick for tournaments for like several months until the uh, well, I guess it was the Zoo Booster. Or was it BT twelve? No, Link Joker Booster. Yeah, the first Link Joker Booster. That's when they kind of died down. Yeah, no, they they were in BT twelve. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, right. That was yeah. 12, 12, 12. and then so, after twelve was the Link Joker one. Um, I'm excited for Great Nature as an Excel deck, and yeah. I, I know I spent several months harping on about if they're <laughs> not <laughs> if they're not forced, I'm going to be sad, and I was sad, and I sold Pale Moon because of it. But uh, I do think that. Oh the, wait, why? So I already had Tachikaze, I had Pale Moon and G, and I didn't yeah. want three Excel clans, so uh, I, I, I I wanted to like try new things, so I sold <clears throat> Pale Moon to Mister Beer over here, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, now I can focus on Tachikaze and uh, Great Nature because the wacky shit you can do with Ballot Earl on first stride is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm almost giddy at the thought of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for me it's like. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I've got like one Force Clan, I think. And I think it's Sting that way. I think sense. I. I'll have two X, I guess three Axels, Novus, Pale Moon, and Narukami, and then one Protect in Angels, and I think that's it for what I'm building. I'm waiting for Bermuda in English. Yeah. In the standard. Yeah. The fact that Bermudas are able to, you know, consistently compete in premium without the new triggers, it says a lot. And yeah, but when you get such an insane support right before the reboot, it makes sense. Yeah. No, but like it's that, that scares me for what happens in premium after they get their standard support. Yeah, but the next restriction list comes before Bermuda comes out, so if it tops a lot, then we might get some restrictions. But I think they mm-hmm. just, should just limit the G-Guard. Everything else is kind of okay. Seems like a lot of... Uh... Like a lot of uh, tools with not a lot of drawback. Mm, exactly, exactly. Yeah. A lot of tools. Mark doesn't have G guards. <laughs> <laughs> and what, everyone else has these ridiculous G guards? And, no. Uh, so then the Zanbaki stuff doesn't seem like it'd be as strong in premium. Well, here's the problem. Yeah, in standard, it's like, devastating. The Merkumo the deck in standard is very good. Mm-hmm. But it has no premium cards, so putting in premium doesn't really change the deck at all. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, then... what what are you excited for, Matt? And Murakumo is definitely not the answer to that question. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely going to buy Murakumo. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's still, like, very underrepresented in Japan, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like three people play it and one of them top floors. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Yeah. Very overperforming. Like we were talking about this in last week's episode, where they got uh, like two of them were at a tournament and both of them got in the top eight. Like that's that's insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah. It like it's a pretty decent counter to the strongest deck in the format, and then it still performs well against everything else. Exactly. Exactly. Especially yeah, as a DP main, I'm not gonna enjoy that too much. Well, also, it actually has units that gain advantage by calling things to board, so you don't have to commit a million cards from hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does an Excel clan right. Yeah. I, I think it's the first Excel clan that feels like an Excel clan. 
Yeah, like what what Excel should have been from the start yeah. until they right. got it right after two tries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't get Tachikaze wrong. It just didn't feel like an Excel clan. It just felt like... Well, they were doing some wacky stuff with Tachikaze. Who... Yeah, Tachikaze is just Brick City. Like, if you Brick, you're dead. Yeah. It's like, with other other decks, you can Brick and still recover. But with Tachikaze, it's like, if you Brick, it, there's no coming back. And, or or if you got to draw a bunch of Savage Raiders and be like, all right, I'm going to stack it all on the uh, Blight Tops and hope to God I get a D-Rex out of it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't know what to think about this deck because the mechanic's too weird. Yeah. And then, like, it started off, I was like, okay, the mechanic works pretty well. And then you're kind of like, but if you don't run this guy, you die. So. Yeah, exactly. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think Pale Moon was their first. Well, Pale Moon and Mokomo simultaneously are good Axel clans. Yeah. Because I think they did Pale Moon pretty well. It feels like the old BTO7 Pale Moon, which I loved so much. Dude, so I'm actually really excited for that deck. That's how so, I discovered Great Nature, was I was playing Pale Moon around BTO7, and I was pulling packs looking for, you know, Lucier and all them, and then yeah. I got, like, Leopold's and Binoculus Tigers, and I was like... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, no one's running this. Maybe I should give it a try. And I ended up liking it, so, hooray. Yeah, I'm really hyped for Pale Moon. Like, it's just... it. I haven't had a chance to play test it properly. I just finished, like, working on Shadows. Mm-hmm. So now Pale Moon's up next, and... I've been theory crafting with some people, and it's like, oh, it just feels so fun just to even look at it. So I'm really excited. I already like pre-ordered play, a playset of everything for Pale Moon, so nice. for when it comes nice. out. So we Gucci. We Gucci. Yeah. So is uh, is there anything else you want to add about uh, Premium DP? Not so much. I think decks like Dynexus will remain being fun. Um, there is always going to be cheese strats that are going to go up. Uh, Dykeiser never dies because his mechanic is always going to be crazy, even with Protect around. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, Gallop's going to top here. Like, we still have the whole tournament season left. Like, we're only at the end of September now. We still have, like, October, November. So I think there's still enough chances for DP to top. And I won't be surprised if Gallop takes another top eight or so a few more times. So I think it's still a deck that can perform well. It has a good matchup against quite a lot of things. But. Yeah, it just depends on how the format changes over these next couple months. Sound sound reasoning. Uh, where 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 can people find you, person who's more popular than us by miles? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on YouTube. Um, my channel name is Different Fight, and also my Twitter is pretty good. I tend to post all my like unfiltered thoughts there before they become videos and stuff, or just like retweet random terrible memes, and then. There's Facebook, but because of Facebook's terrible page system, I'm not very responsive. And then there's a Discord channel, which is a very good place to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. If, uh, we'll go ahead and put the uh, the link. The, like, we can put the link to your Discord into the YouTube. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. This if, yeah. Thank you. So that'll be down there. And, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for listening to Nexus at Night. Find us on Twitter, at Nexus at Night. Find me, at Atlas Novak. Find me at Wiggums, two G's, two Z's. Find I don't me at apologize. Plasma Clips. Oh, I don't sorry. apologize for things getting too political on my Twitter feed. No, oh, no. Eh. It's him as a person. You can you can say whatever you want. That's <laughs> what the Nexus at Night Twitter is for. It's for the dumb Vanguard memes, like when I did like that crappy 90s sitcom uh, intro meme yesterday. <laughs> Bro, stop, make, stop. Can you stop posting funny stuff on the Nexus at Night Twitter because it blows up my phone? Thank you. 
<laughs> Same. Stop being hilarious. All right. Until next time, I was Atlas. And I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. And I'm Different Fight. And have a good night, everybody.